A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 117. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Welcome to Thrive Thursday with Dr. Yishai. This week on the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, I had Lee Rust, multiple award-winning entrepreneur, co-founder, and director of the Australian manufacturing company Safety Line Jalousi. Founded in a garage with his brother over a decade ago, Lee helped to grow the company to over 30 people with offices in Sydney, Melbourne, and Malaysia. In episode 115, Lee shares the story of co-founding Safety Line Jalousi with his brother and how he overcame the challenges in the first five years of their company. We talk about proactive versus reactive adapting, taking a shotgun versus laser-focused approach, and the role of resilience and drive in entrepreneurship and business. In episode 116, Lee shares lessons he learned from changes in laws that forced him to reinvent his entire product, to getting into amateur MMA fighting, that are at the core of his philosophy and daily activities as an entrepreneur and leader. He talks about the values of continually testing himself and constantly putting in the time to grow personally and as a leader. If you haven't yet, go back to listen to episodes 115 and 116 to hear from an award-winning entrepreneur, co-founder, and leader of a successfully growing and adapting company. At the end of episode 116, Lee briefly shares his personal journey of being diagnosed with ADHD as an adult and asked about the effects of ADHD on business and leadership styles. I'm going to answer that question and also broaden my answer to talking about attention and its roles in leadership and business, the good, the bad, and the ugly alike. Plus, of course, you'll hear my insights and strategies to handle and harness whatever ADHD throws your way. Thanks for the great question, Lee. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams 
and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout. If you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. And now without further ado, let's dive into how attention and ADHD affect your brain, business, and leadership. What do JetBlue Airways founder David Nealman, Virgin Group founder Richard Branson, and Swedish founder and chairman of IKEA stores Ingvar Kamprad have in common? They're all wildly successful, and they all share their struggles with ADHD. But it's not all struggles. In fact, John Wickland, professor of entrepreneurship at Whitman School of Management at Syracuse University in the U.S., and Professor Two at Nord University in Norway, was diagnosed himself with ADHD in 2012 and has since made it his mission to understand the connection and strengths associated with having ADHD and being an entrepreneur. According to Wickland's research, certain ADHD traits can encourage and empower entrepreneurship, like focusing intently on tasks and a mission they're deeply passionate about, like building their dream company. Entrepreneurs with ADHD may also be more likely to seize on opportunity and take the risks where others may suppress or ignore their impulse. Peter Shankman, founder of Harrow, Help a Reporter Out, author, and highly sought consultant, learned how to harness his ADHD, just as Wickland uncovered. How? Well, nearly six months after signing a contract for a book, Shankman had done tons of research, but had not yet even started a draft of his manuscript. With just two weeks to the deadline, his editor was getting very nervous. So what did he do? He spent over $5,000 to book a back-to-back round-trip flight to Tokyo, sat in business class, hammered out five chapters on the way there, got out for just long enough to stretch his legs and take in some of that fresh Tokyo air, and then hopped right back on the very same plane, the very same seat, and hammered out the last five chapters on his way back, all in under 32 hours. Not everyone can do that, and in fact, Shankman shares that he sees his ADHD as a superpower but it is one that needs to be intentionally handled and harnessed. According to Dr. Ed Hollowell, renowned psychiatrist, author, and worldwide authority on ADHD, people with ADHD are like a car with the motor of a Ferrari and the brakes of a bicycle. Shankman was having a hard time slowing down and removing the distractions in his life so he could focus on and get his book manuscript done. He needed to engage a braking system. For Shankman, 
Breaks meant getting on back-to-back flights with no other distractions, and the goal of only doing one thing while sitting in a comfy chair. Putting together the book that he had already meticulously researched, which can be very powerful when you need to get something done on your own. But what happens when you're leading a company and one or more teams? What happens when other people need to rely on you? In fact, some preliminary research indicated that ADHD may contribute to a more passive style of leadership. That style of leadership might look like getting stuck on repeat in a reactive mode, not doing as much upfront thinking, having inconsistent expectations due to new ideas constantly taking priority, trying to fix or solve every issue that pops up from any person that brings it to the table, and not delegating enough. In fact, Lee and I talked about reactive versus proactive adapting, and how Lee has been intentionally shifting into a more proactive adaptation stance as an entrepreneur and at the helm of his company. A similar process can be incredibly powerful when applied to leadership and working with your people and teams. I call that process proactive leadership instead of passive or reactive leadership. Proactive leadership is all about being intentional about your attention. Because in business and leadership, there are so many variables and factors to pay attention to. It is easy to miss or dismiss something without realizing its future impact on or inside your business. Oftentimes, though, getting ahead of a potential problem or issue is underrated and undervalued. Passive and reactive leadership happen when we simply wait for something to become very problematic or broken before we even pay attention to it, which brings me to the topic of attention and intention. I'll start with a question. Which of the following doesn't belong? Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, or a goldfish? Two classic educational kids TV shows and the classic starter pet for kids. Seems fairly obvious, right? If you know me by now, you'll realize that this is probably a bit of a red herring, because the odd one out is actually Mr. Rogers. I'll get to why in a moment, and Mr. Rogers will bring us back to the topic of intention. But before we get to that, we need to first dig into attention. Goldfish are renowned for having short attention spans, with an average attention span of nine seconds. In the mid-2010s, from about 2014 through 2017, an explosion of media coverage on human attention spans compared us unfavorably to goldfish, clocking the human brain at a pathetic eight seconds of attention before switching. Of course, much of the media coverage blamed our screens, like phones, tablets, TV, the internet, and social media scrolling for our pathetic collective decline in attention. As if TV and smartphone companies, social media websites, and the media outlets themselves have secretly been plotting to make it harder for them to keep our attention. If they were, it would be a lose-lose proposition for everyone involved. Of course, like most research and science, when you dig in, there's a lot more nuance and subtlety, which is frequently lost on media outlets and commonly spouted statistics. In fact, I want to go on another tangent right here and say that statistics don't lie. It's the way we interpret, 
make meaning and share the potential implications, often in oversimplified, overgeneralized, and mischaracterized ways that creates problematic and often inaccurate explanations or descriptions of research studies. Usually, it's not just a single external factor like screen time that permanently affects us. As much as we would love to pinpoint and blame the one baddie, the one terrible thing for being the source of all of our ills and woes or particular issues that we're having, it's a complex confluence of factors, a bunch of them internal and some external that often contribute. Okay, enough sidetracks. Bringing our attention back to the goldfish in attention, when people struggle to sustain focused attention, they often get compared to the flighty, highly distractible goldfish. Across our lifespans, from being students to productive workers to founders and leaders, our ability to focus our mind and memory to work on a goal or task without becoming distracted or refocus quickly and efficiently in the face of distraction is seen as a really big deal. But attention is more than just that. It's defined by both the ability to maintain focus on a task and the ability to screen out irrelevant information, which we can call distractions, while staying tuned into the most relevant information for the task at hand. Think about it this way. If you're in an orchard picking apples, you need to focus on two tasks at once. One is being able to hold the apples you want to keep and take with you when you're done apple picking. That's your goal. You want to end up with a basket of apples. The other is to attend to relevant information and ignore irrelevant information. For apple picking, that might be knowing and scrutinizing if a particular apple is worth adding to your basket, if it's going to be a delicious apple to bite into. That involves detail-oriented information contained in the feel and texture of the apple, what a bruise feels like looking for insect damage or rotting, That's paying attention to the relevant information. If you spend time and energy looking at the patterns of color, not for ripeness, but because it's interesting, and you grab a bunch of apples just to juggle and impress your friends, then you might be getting distracted from the task at hand in apple picking. Of course, apple picking isn't necessarily always about just grabbing a bunch of apples and getting out of the orchard as fast as you can. Sometimes it's about having fun with friends. So the reverse can be very much just as problematic depending on the situation. If you're apple picking with your buddies and instead of enjoying the experience, sharing apples, drinking in the smell and the sights, running around having a good time, if instead of all of that, you just try to grab a bunch of apples and get out of there as fast as you can, you might be having just as big a problem with goal-oriented attention as somebody who's getting sidetracked by a bunch of irrelevant details when the goal is to pick apples. In fact, as I was preparing this very episode, I combed through over 70 articles, and more than half of those articles I abandoned partway through reading them. Many of them only had one or two interesting or useful points that I really wanted to consider, and the rest was not remotely relevant. Is that a lack of attention or focused attention? Well, it depends on my goals. If my goal was to read each article and absorb all of the content, then I might be exhibiting difficulty attending. 
But if my goal is to sift through lots of material and to find the relevant points, like I'm panning for gold, I need to find the nuggets, then my focus was actually highly attuned to details that are really relevant to that particular goal. And that really helped me put together all the different points for this episode. For so many adults with ADHD, they're in a constant state of turmoil because of how difficult it can be to organize work, sustain attention, avoid distractions, and keep important reminders top of mind. But under certain conditions, their brains not only function clearly, but hyper-focus and get a tremendous amount done. It can be confusing and maddening to experience such a huge disparity in how your brain works. In other words, ADHD can be viewed as a set of limitations like having a goldfish attention span or as an opportunity and a call to upgrade the brakes on your Ferrari brain so you can harness and handle it for maximum efficiency. And there are two approaches to handling it, either to accommodate and design your life around the limitation or to develop skills to direct and harness it. That very argument is at the core of two children's programs from the late 1960s that became wildly popular educational television across the United States. Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. Sesame Street is a show made up of brief segments and was heavily researched by pilot testing episodes with children and designing the show to fit into their attention spans. So if or when their pilot testing children started getting bored and looking away and not paying attention to the TV, they would cut the segments down and switch to another character, different colors, a different story, or some other piece of education and something else to capture their attention. Mr. Rogers, on the other hand, took the perspective that children really want to learn and will stay fully engaged in the context of relating, familiar stories, and processing together. Mr. Rogers took the time to sing and do welcome and goodbye rituals, to personally craft and create interactions, emotions, challenges, empathy, and conversation with the puppets and characters on the show. For Mr. Rogers, it was really about being deliberate and not just trying to accommodate attention spans, but to learn and engage more deeply with intention. In other words, when you look at Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, and a goldfish, two of them are all about short attention spans, while one of them is about intentional engagement. But the kicker is, goldfish research dating back as far as 1908 has shown that goldfish actually have memory and they focus and learn just as much as birds and many mammals do. Even if their behavior at times can seem disjointed or distracted from the perspective of an observer. And while Sesame Street is designed around a shorter attention span, it has repeatedly been shown to help develop literacy and number sense, among other educational benefits. Okay, so what does all of that have to do with ADHD and leadership? Or attention, intention, and leadership? Or passive, reactive, and proactive leadership? 
The psychology underpinning attention is all about being able to stay focused and on task, plus being able to screen out distractions and zero in on relevant information. It's all about being able to hold on to the goal of the task and stay on track while handling and juggling several factors, some of which can be pretty complex. ADHD isn't about an inability to do those things, but rather an uneven playing field where in some situations it's heightened and incredibly powerful, while others can be more challenging. Just like the engine of a Ferrari and the brakes of a bicycle. You can learn in short bursts, you can build a company in 10-minute increments, and you can write a book in under 32 hours. It's not just about a blanket limitation, but an understanding of how your brain works. Sometimes it's about accommodating that by taking frequent breaks, setting up accountability in the form of deadlines, and removing distractions. Other times it's about training your breaks by spending time in meditation, learning to focus and refocus on something as simple as your breathing, or putting systems into place to ensure that you're checking in with your attentional resources in addition to your eating, sleeping, and exercise that are so critical to our ability to focus. Leadership is just one of those contexts or situations. It's about being intentional, setting goals, and sticking to them, and not just waiting for things to break or to get feedback, but being proactive. So set your aim to carve out time to be intentional about what leadership means and looks like for you and your company. Recruit some trusted people to give you feedback and find ways to hold yourself accountable. Be proactive and intentional. Choose to outsource by letting go of or delegating parts of your business and leadership that you're less passionate about, that are harder to stay focused on, that you find yourself getting distracted and even looking to do other things instead of taking care of them. Create the space to examine what does and doesn't work for you. Create the space to set rules, reminders, feedback, and accountability systems to keep you on point. Create the space to pursue your passion in the areas that you hyper-focus and excel. Lessons we can all learn in entrepreneurship and in leadership. And on that note, I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. 
So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 